0: Hello! <laughs> I'm formas uh, I'm uh, Tragouvistis, uh, Apopse, Apopse uh, Brixton. Um, the Tragouziso, the Tragouvia, um, is Mikres Periplanisis, is is a pano in Turkey, Turkey, la 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 la.
1: Welcome to Stand Up Tragedy, the Greek Tragedy Special. That was our Greek introduction, exclusively recorded for us by the only Greek linguist present at our Greek tragedy live night, Tom Alder. He was one of the performers who are complete Greek geeks, who joined us at the Stand Up Tragedy stage on a hot June evening at the Dog Star in Brixton. The World Cup was kicking off downstairs, but we were upstairs sharing the Greek tragedy and enjoying what we hoped was a cathartic experience.
0: Yeah.
1: My name is Bryony, and as the host of the Stand Up Tragedy specials, I wanted to use this episode to give you guys a feel of what it's like to be at one of our gigs if you've never been before. You're going to hear what goes on before the show, and join me for a chat with some of the performers. This was one of our final performances of the year before the Edinburgh Festival begins in August. Stand Up Tragedy will be doing shows for the entire month as part of the PBH Free Fringe, We'll be in the Banshee's Labyrinth and we're currently raising some funds with another crowdfunding campaign, but I'll tell you more details about that later. For now, let's listen in to what happened at Stand Up Tragedy's Greek Tragedy.
2: Stand Up Tragedy!
1: Before the show, I sat down with Dave, the creator, host and director of Stand Up Tragedy and Harv, our sound guy. We had a chat outside in the courtyard of the Dog Star before the show about how Stand Up Tragedy has been doing since we started doing monthly live nights. Yeah,
3: it's the sixth one we've done since we've gone monthly, I think, isn't it? It's not the seventh because we did Christmas Christmas too. Yeah,
1: pretty good. Each one had a different theme. Hmm.
3: That's right, it's a nice great tragedy going back to the start, where it all came from um not just for uh for tragedy because tragedy kind of was codified in greece but also for me because i used to be really really into greek myths when i was a kid and uh wrote a greek tragedy when i was a teenager i'm going to talk a bit about this on stage but um nice. so i reckon maybe this is why greek tragedy maybe i'm interested in it i'm going to geek geek out about greek i'm going to be a ancient greek geek i've said some way ha Ancient Geek. An an ancient ancient geek. geek. That's yeah. Kind of, yeah an yeah, ancient Geek. geek. But that's, yeah, that is better. But the shows themselves, yeah, we've, they've come on a long way. I've really enjoyed them going um, themed. They have some really great shows and like, some surprising stuff that's gone on the stage because of the themes. Go on, then. Tonight's been a, actually a hard one to book. Complete tragedy. How are you going to find people about that? Like, I came up with a the theme, I didn't think about the marketability, say. Of uh, Greek tragedy, or the uh, who I could get for acts, but that's a challenge. Like even like putting the playlist together tonight's been a real hard one. Um, but I like a challenge, yeah. and I think I've got a good playlist, and I think I've got a good lineup. So uh, hopefully, people will enjoy
1: it. Okay. What's been like the best? what's theme has worked best so far? Then do you reckon?
3: Tragic Christmas was the best of what standard <coughs> tragedy could be. It was so such a pure night. The acts were all so good. And the theme was everyone was so on theme um, and it was really it was a cathartic experience for all of the people who've had horrible Christmases. Um, and it had a lot of really sad bits, really sad. Um, but it also had a lot of really fun bits and we sort of like had sing-alongs and stuff. So it was a great night. I wish I flagged up at the beginning that it could have been that it I've come to sort of realise that the best thing to do with stand-up tragedy is to have a kind of content note at the beginning saying (laughs) um, this is going to have some sad things in because if people aren't expecting it um, they might expect it to just be funny and then they might be a bit thrown. So I I worry about the the uh, tragic Christmas whether I flagged it up well enough because it was really dark and I know that Mm. some people found it hard but that said i loved it i thought it was a really great night
1: <laughs> maybe um, we should put some health warnings on our flyers for edinburgh sure
3: but it's definitely <laughs> one to listen to like out of the yeah. podcast it's definitely one to listen back to
1: yeah i had a good time that night what about you half what have you liked
3: Can't i like that. tragic tragic christmas mm. um and i liked tragic love as well yeah that was a good one oh,
1: but, right, yeah, um, we had some good stories yeah which ones did i miss Ah. Um, you really got to like Miss Liz's last year, last time. Last um,
3: time, history. tragic history is another good she, yeah, one. Yeah, she was good. Oh, she I'm was glad. great. She did like the comparing stuff much better than I do. Did in a way, like she <laughs> just she's just a natural to be on stage. It was great to see her spreading her wings. Yeah. And uh, she knows her history as well. And that was another one that was quite on on point. Well, actually, Liz says it was there was too much recent history that doesn't count as history in her book. Uh, it was a good, yeah. It was a very political show the tragic history one, and it was that was another good night. Well,
1: what are we going do? What are you gonna do for Edinburgh then? Are we gonna carry on a few themes? No, we're not we're gonna, gonna have a there. theme. Just
3: we're gonna go old school. We're gonna go like last year. Um, one storyteller, one comedian, one musician, one spoken word artist, and another somebody else. We're to up. make the f- make five acts each day, completely different bill, completely different lineup. Can you imagine trying to come up with 24 themes for the Edinburgh shows? Trying to get people to say, like, they'll book them and people will swap around. Yeah, they'll, they'll go, oh, I can't do today, I've got to do tomorrow instead. So it's really spurious, like, today is tragic biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> right, we Time's better go out sort yep, the show out. Let's get
1: few things mentioned in our chat then that you can catch up on. Have a look on our SoundCloud and iTunes pages to have a listen to that Tragic Christmas podcast. There are some brilliant performances from Superbad, Lucy Ayrton and loads more acts. Also, another mention of our crowdfunding campaign. So we're using Indiegogo to raise the funds to take us up and see us through the entire Edinburgh Festival this year, but you'll hear much more about that later. So before each live night, we like to ask the performers to come along early for sound checks and I usually take this opportunity to have a chat with them and find out more about them, what they're doing and what they're going to perform that evening. First to arrive at Greek tragedy was storyteller Steffi Harrop so I grabbed her upstairs at the Dog Star while the team was setting up. We are upstairs at the Dog Star in
4: Brixton. There's trains going past and that strange noise you can hear. We're not in a wind tunnel, are we Steffi? No, we... we are definitely not in a wind tunnel, although it does sound like it. Yeah,
1: we are. There's a giant fan on the stage because the dog's starting to get quite right off. Ah, yeah. oh, cheers, Dave.
4: Fantastic. Hey. We are now not in a wind tunnel.
1: Yes, we were going to have a stand up tragedy. You got, Or the Greek tragedy.
4: Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I've got no idea what's going to happen tonight, but I'm very excited.
1: You won't know what you're going to do, though.
4: I've got a rough idea. What I'm going to do, I'm going to do a bit of the Iliad. Although that doesn't really narrow it down yeah, an awful really lot.
5: Doesn't.
4: But, you know, I've got, got a couple of hours to think about it, and, uh, and I'll get it, get it down to ten minutes. It'll work. Can you, have you got it committed to memory, then, or do you just...? Uh, the highlights are in memory, and mm-hmm. I can kind of freestyle in between them. And if dinosaurs turn up, then you know I've really forgotten what I was doing. Same goes for aliens, but, you know, it's how they did it in the old days. They had the gist, remember the key names, and in between you just kind of you make it up. And the most tragic character in the Iliad, who do you like? Oh God, they're they're all desperately tragic, it's terrible. And I, I really can't, see this is why I don't know what I'm doing tonight, because I cannot decide which character I think is the most tragic. Mm. What do you think? I don't know, do the men or the women like
1: lose out more? I think the women, especially the female gods, they've always been quite strong. I quite like female Greek gods.
4: They're very cool. They're about they're the only cool. people who, who get out of this they all win. right. Yeah, yeah. The, the gods totally win this one. Mm-hmm. You know, a few bruises, a few flesh wounds, but basically they're okay, bar a little bit of hair pulling. Yeah. And the hair pulling is quite good. I guess it would be whoever tried the
1: hardest. So obviously they're all the heroes.
4: That's true. That's love. true. I mean, you know... Sensible money would be on Hector here, poor old Hector trying to defend Troy, doing the heroic thing, doing the noble thing, doomed to die, and he dies. Yeah. really, so really know how you condense a Greek tragedy down onto ten minute slots.: Oh it's a very Greek thing to do, they did it all the time, all the writers of Greek tragedy looked at the Iliad, looked at the Odyssey, went, that's a brilliant story, that's a bit too long, I'm just going to have a little bit, slices from the banquet of Homer they called it. Nick a little bit, make it your story.
1: So how much do you know about? sort of actual Greek tragedy then
4: I know a bit I teach it a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know there's an awful lot that we don't know about it which is fantastic because it was two and a half thousand years ago they didn't bother to write down what they were doing really we lost a whole bunch of, of the plays kind of losing them in fires and things so basically we've got a couple of scripts and we don't know what the hell is going on so we start from there it's brilliant it's a great excuse for playing around so
1: Was it? so was it kind of It was the same as Shakespeare, as the popular entertainment.
4: It was totally the popular entertainment of its time. And if you want a policy that would just make the Conservatives cry, there was a fund to subsidise poor people going to the theatre because it was a citizen's right and duty to turn up and see a bit of tragedy. They were required to be there.
1: To find out what Steffi chose to perform, listen back to Act 3 of the Greek Tragedy podcast, which you can find on our SoundCloud and iTunes page. Next, I sat down with the director of The Helen Project, Who were newcomers to Stand Up Tragedy, but their play based on Helen of Troy was, of course, perfect for our theme. Director Amy Claire Tasker explained more about what the Helen project is.
6: My name is Amy Claire Tasker. I'm a director and theatre maker uh, and the writer of, or co writer, of The Helen Project, uh, which is, uh, what is it? It's a modular, fragmented text for five different versions of Helen of Troy. So, <laughs> which, yeah, that's, that's probably the most concise I've ever been about what it is, um, but it's, uh, it's basically yeah. Helen of Troy staying up all night, figuring out if everything's her fault, um, and kind of going over what she did and what she didn't do, and what everybody says she did, and the choices that she really had. Do you quite like Helen? Have you always quite liked Helen? Of Troy? Um, I've always been really into Greek mythology um, since I discovered it in middle school and um, just kind of kept finding some really complicated, interesting characters uh, throughout Greek mythology.
1: What do people yeah. think they know about Helen of Troy?
6: What's gone, uh, well, I mean, yeah, what do yeah. you think she was about? Well, I think many people just think Helen of Troy and they think... Uh, Was this the face that launched A Thousand Ships? It's probably in there somewhere. Um, And they think Hollywood movies and crazy blonde wigs and togas and the woman who started the Trojan War. And that's pretty much much the icon of, of who she is. And sometimes people know the story of Paris and Menelaus fighting over her and... Some more people, fewer and fewer, know the story of why they were fighting over her and that she was married to Menelaus, but that she was gifted to Paris by Aphrodite and the sort of the more you know about her, the more it's like actually this is a bit more complicated than just everything's her fault. Of course it's so problematic to call anybody the most beautiful woman in the world. Though the Greeks had slightly different sort of they had a more objective View of beauty, they could sort of describe it almost mathematically, where our beauty is more in the eye of the beholder, as they say. Um, but the idea of calling anybody the most beautiful woman in the world is so problematic, and and saying that that beauty is the thing that causes devastation rather than people's response to that beauty. Ooh, I like <laughs>
1: that. Yeah. I'm going to my actors turned it up.
6: Yep, that's Sharon, yeah. our director. Hi, Sharon. <laughs> We're doing a podcast.
1: Yeah, we're just having a chat about Greek tragedy. Yeah. brilliant. <laughs> 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 so, you, so you're co-writers, you're
6: directing. You... I co-wrote the piece with yeah. Megan Cohen, who's a San Francisco playwright. Uh-huh. And Sharon and I are working together as directors uh, for, the, for tonight's performance. And the, we're doing a couple of shows in July at the Lost Theatre as part of the face-to-face Festival of Solo Theatre. July 11th and 13th uh, at the Lost Theatre in Stockwell.
1: If you're in London at the end of July and want to see the Helen Project in its entirety, their show will be on the weekend of this podcast release on the July the 13th at the Lost Theatre. So if you don't have any plans yet, you might want to go check that out. I also met unusual performance artist The Human Loire, and I couldn't help but ask him how he got his name and what his act is like. Uh,
2: The Human Loire uh, is um, uh, an act I do where I represent the longest river in France uh, using physicality and my voice. Um, so it's become the, uh, the title track of an album of uh, of Deeds. Uh, some of it's quite highbrow. Um, I uh, recite Chaucer whilst uh, pouring rice grippies and milk down my trousers. I, uh, I do a homage to Sir Alexander Fleming, whereby I, I give a tribute to his works by chewing the legs off a heron. I first performed as the Loire about three years ago, as a kind of side shoot as to the main thing I was doing, which was uh, improv. And uh, last time I did uh stand-up tragedy, we did an improvised Greek tragedy uh, oh, down that's here.
1: brilliant. I've heard legendary things about that. Wow. Yeah, I have. That was one of the team's favourite acts. And since then. Last yeah. a yeah of Greek tragedy. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: we still around. Sadly, it's no longer going in this incarnation every now and then it pops its head above the parapet.
1: The Human Loire's performance was extremely visual, so we've decided to include it in our video, exclusively recorded for us by Ida, and you can find that on the Facebook and on our website. Sometimes our performers turn up with a really intriguing array of props for their performance, and comedic singer Tom Alder did just that. You heard him introducing the podcast, but he turned up at Greek tragedy with a bag full of costumes and big pieces of paper. I asked him to talk me through what he'd brought with him.
0: And uh, this is the chorus, you see. This is an adapted uh, uh, board game. Yes, It's, a, it's, it's a subtitles. But I've got these boards. Words. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, this is, for, this is for the. I'm doing two songs. This is for the second song.
1: Okay. And there are. like great crosses. <laughs> Proud to the ocean. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Something for everybody to get, join in on. And we've got two bags of amazing costumes as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Purchased
0: from. Ah, uh, eBay. EBay. From two different sellers. Nice. I, yeah. So I, you
1: are being, which well, week hero are you today?
0: Well, to- it's Neptune. It's all, all I can get for just under a tenner. Yeah. Like so here to- we go. We've got, uh, these are all got to be presented in order. It's bound to go wrong. You know, the, the words won't match it's the translation. So but what
1: we've got here is mostly at my feet. I thought it a good gear. So what is, would you like to introduce yourself? You're new to
0: stand-up tragedy, aren't uh, you? Ah, yeah, yeah, sure yeah. Right yeah. Then. Well, actually, funny enough, my, my um, name is uh, Tenderheart. I normally go under the name Tenderheart. And I've been doing Greek songs for several years, but actually, if I translate tender heart into Greek, I don't know exactly how it would be, but it would be something like this, "Malaki kardia, like cardiac, like cardiac. Now interestingly, "malaki" is soft or tender like meat, but malakas is wanker. And, and actually, it's almost affectionate in Greece. Like they say, hey, hello, malakamu. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah. But it's quite affectionate, it's quite friendly. But you see, malako, malaki is soft. So if you want meat, you say malako. It's the stress placement changes the meaning. But it would be, I'm either like wanker heart or tender heart, depending on where the stress is. Yeah. Malaka cardia, like cardiac, you know, yeah, or malaki cardia.
1: Tom's performance was again very visual, so it's best seen, not heard, but we have included it in Act 3 of the Greek Tragedy podcast. Right before the show was about to begin, our big act of the night, comedian Andy Zaltzman arrived, and so I grabbed him for a quick chat to welcome him into his first stand-up tragedy. Got five minutes to go and I'm sat at the back of the uh, dog star with Andy Zaltzman. Hello. So, you've come down to is this your first time doing stand-up tragedy? It
7: is, although... Uh, in my first Edinburgh show which is now 13 years ago I had a uh, stand up tragedy routine um, which I'm dusting off for the first time in well over a decade tonight so um, that's what I'm sort of basing it around with a few other new new thoughts on the great art form that is stand up tragedy so I think you
1: studied I did yes quite a
7: oh yeah I love I love the ancient Greeks that's a, yeah Got a favorite, tragic, tragic Greek hero. Well, I was a big fan of Achilles in the Iliad. Um, I really like the Greek comedies. I studied at Aristophanes at university, and um, he did a lot. He did parody of the tragedians uh, in it. It doesn't necessarily fire home with a 21st century audience, but the uh, the level of comedy is uh, several steps up on Mock the Week. So, um, uh, so yeah, I studied the. Aeschylus and Sophocles and Euripides as well, but to be honest, I didn't study it quite as hard as I might have done, because I was too busy playing cricket and doing other student kind of stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> writing bullshit about sport, so. Yeah, I'm so up
8: World Cup,
7: like. Yeah, so yeah, Greek tragedy versus World Cup football, like, two and a half thousand years ago, that was a very one-sided contest. Now it's also a one-sided contest, but the other way, so it's a tough... Anything against World Cup football is is always going to be going to be difficult. As the front page of the Evening Standard, uh, which I just saw walking off the uh, the tube, uh, World World Cup football festival begins. Presume that's the front page. Presumably on the second page is Iraq going massively tits up. So that shows the world's priorities. Sport gives us a license to ignore all reality.
1: So um so, I just want to introduce you for our listeners who haven't maybe heard you on yep. podcast
7: before, but they can catch you on, do a news Yes, The Bugle, yes. I do that with John Oliver, uh, uh, who um, you may know from The Daily Show in the States and his new HBO show, um, and we've been doing that six 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 and a half years now. So there's, yeah, we've basically satirised the world, so everything is now fine through the power of satire. There's nothing wrong in the world now.
1: So I was because of
7: your background, people. which one is more tragic than modern Greece or ancient Greece? Well, I guess ancient Greece, because it had so much going for it and it really blew it uh, in a lot of ways by fighting needless wars to a large extent and uh, you know classical Athens is probably the most extraordinary hub of creativity there's ever been anywhere and uh, I basically pissed out of the war, fighting a fighting a war, as far as I can remember from the little that I did pay attention to at university. So that that's a, that sort of tragedy. That's the yeah the great figure and the element of hubris, and uh, and the downfall. So I'd, I'd probably go for ancient Greece.
1: Andy does some brilliant work, and I'm a regular listener to his podcast, The Bugle, which we mentioned just then. Follow Andy on Twitter, where he's at, Zoltz Cricket, to find out about everything he's up to and where he's performing again soon. The show begun with Dave's usual introduction to the theme of the evening, as well as a performance by him, so I'm going to let him explain what the night was about. Hello,
3: everybody. Wow, look at this. So, uh, this show was Time uh, timeout Critics' Choice today, and we were featured in the... Uh... Top 10 uh, storytelling nights in the country a couple of months ago in The Guardian. So I think we can see the kind of audiences you get if you get media publicity. <laughs> uh, and so hopefully we're going to sound uh, like that kind of an audience tonight because this is a podcast. So at least there is that performance. us. So, <laughs> welcome to Stand Up Tragedy. My name's Dave and I'm your host. Uh, what we do at Stand Up Tragedy is we stand up and we do tragedy. Uh, it's a variety night it has music it has comedy it has spoken words tonight it has theater it's an excellent lineup that we've got of tragic variety tonight um, I like to flag up though that as tonight is a tragedy people may go to dark places you should be aware of that um, as I guess we should always be aware that we may go to dark places in our lives um, but tonight it's pretty guaranteed so uh, be prepared for that. But there'll also be some laughs as well as some tears, uh, so don't worry about that. And there'll be a sing-along at the end. It seems like a good theme uh, for stand-up tragedy because obviously uh, Greek tragedy, which is what tonight's all about, um, it, that's where we first came up with the codification that we, we, we now call tragedy. Um, tragedy, I think, existed since we started telling stories, but in Greece they they gave it a name. Uh, But it's also appropriate for me to be running tonight because um, I was really, really, in fact, I believed in Greek myths when I was seven. I like properly believed um, in Greek myths. Then I went on to Norse myths because they were like a bit more bleak, but uh, started off with Greek Greek myths and I believed in them. And I uh, wrote a a play when I was 17, a Greek tragedy when I was 17. And I'm going to maybe ill-advisedly, read the beginning of that play. It's actually, it's actually, unfortunately, not as... I wanted it to be worse than it is, actually, because I wanted to laugh at myself. But maybe now I'm, now I'm like, building it up, and it's going to now... Uh, we'll see. My name is Chorus. I am the past, the present, and the future. But yet, I am nothing. I am born out of the need to rationalise, to justify what happens in this lonely world. All I do is decided by those who create me. (laughs) You can tell I was 17, right? I am fate. The fate of those who choose to trust to fate. I uh, am the melody and the harmony of people's lives. They sing of me in their dreams. They pray to me in the silence. They created me and so I am here, so I may guide you, show you their stories. And so... Uh, when I was 17, I was conceptualising the idea of chorus as a character. Tonight, I am your host, and therefore I am uh, the idea of chorus in- inhabited in a character. So that's what's happening. Um, we, uh, should, I should say we have a fanzine for sale. Um, it's our first one that's all pictures. There's no words in tonight's one. Uh, it looks like this. Uh, you, sh- you can buy it over there. Um, And it's another way that we like to explore tragedy in written or pictorial form as well as in the spoken form. Uh, So that's the advert for that bit. Oh, the other thing I want to tell you massive audiences about is that we've got a uh, crowdfunding campaign. So, uh, yes, go home, tell everybody that you know to, to fund our crowdfunding campaign. We're going up to Edinburgh... Uh, We could do with some cash. I've gone freelance. uh, My life's gone uh, completely upside down. And yet I'm booked in to do a show in Edinburgh. So please let me not break down and give generously. Uh, You can find it, bit.ly forward slash tragic fringe. And tonight we also want you to share your tragedy with each other. We want to hear your tragedy. So we've got some kind of mask templates over there, Greek tragedy mask templates. It'd be really cool if you wanted to design your own ones during the night. Don't design anything you don't want to go on the internet. Uh, But uh, do please design. Um, uh, So, what is Greek tragedy? Uh, So it's a prologue, which is what's happening now, uh, which is where the chorus discusses the drama and the background is introduced in a speech. Uh, As I said, I'm being very meta at this moment. Um, It's interspersed by... OK, right, yes. The drama unfolds in three or more Episodia, um, and uh, that's what we've got tonight. We've got three acts, um, interspersed by Stasimon, which are choral interludes commenting on the situation, which are known as breaks uh, tonight, where you can comment on the situation to each other. Uh, And it ends with (laughs) Exodus, which we'll obviously be doing at the end. That's the conclusion. Um, Tonight, as always, our Exodus will be a sing-along, and we will literally become that chorus together um. We're going to sing along to "Common People" by Pulp because it's the best song I could think of that people might know that has anything to do with Greece in it. Because she came from Greece, she had a thirst for knowledge. Um, I did choose that because it was the most popular Greek tragedy song to sing along to. But I don't know. We'll see if the audience knows it. I'm looking. People are looking blank at me, uh, which makes me sad as a child of the 90s. Um, But there we go. Um, So. Really, though, tonight won't actually stri- fulfil a strict tragedy structure. That's me crowbarring things in like an idiot. Uh, Greek tragedy is where tragedy began, at least etymologically, um, and uh, it meant goat song, which I think there will be some reference to tonight. I feel from some of our uh, our uh, performers. Um, scholars suspect that this may be traced to a time when a goat was either the prize or um, the ritual sacrifice, which is like kind of. You know, that's pretty much the kind of two options, I guess, in life, isn't it? The prize or the r- ritual sacrifice, which one will you be? Uh, the, the origin of the word um, is in question because uh, it's a long time ago, <laughs> so it would be. But uh, the art form was certainly codified, as I said, and developed into a specific style of theatre with rules and tropes. And it was a collective process, and I am into collective processes. So what we're going to do tonight is have a collective process. We're going to have an experience together, and we're going to feel some stuff. As Aristotle put it, tragedy is, therefore, an imitation, or mimesis, of a noble and complete action which, through compassion and fear, produces purification of the passions. So we're going to have some passion purification tonight, which sounds pretty fun. And... uh, Uh, That quote should also tell you that it doesn't have to be like death. Death doesn't always happen in tragedies, so I'm glad of that because it's always hard to sell this show to people, and that helps me uh, to to say, well, it doesn't have to all be death, although there will be a lot of death. Um, So (laughs) the uh, three Aristotelian unities of drama are the unities of time, place, and action. The unity of action, so a play should have one main action that it follows with no or few subplots. The unity of place, a play should cover a single physical space and should not attempt to compress geography, nor should the stage represent more than one place. So we've failed there, I reckon. Uh, Unity of time, the action in a play should take place over no more than 24 hours. Well, let's see. We can put all of our acts to the test and see if they adhere to those unities. Um, We see a hero going through an experience, though, um, and it's filled with dramatic irony. um, And that's hero generally has the hamartia or the tragic flaw or the error which is for example in my life going freelance at an inappropriate time. Um, As Sophocles put it, you can kill a man but you can't kill an idea and that is what tragedy is, an idea that has not died and tonight we're going to share some of that idea with you.
1: Just like the ancient Greek tragedies we had three interludes or breaks during our performance which was the perfect time for me to grab two of the Stand Up Tragedy production team members for a chat. Ida records and edits the videos for Stand Up Tragedy and she told me about the recent video Charlie Harrison and Dave recorded for the Edinburgh crowdfunding campaign. Uh,
9: so yeah, so the guys are trying to raise some funds for the Edinburgh show. So uh, and obviously they need money to travel there to pay for the accommodation etc etc. Uh, so, so yeah, they need some money and uh, they have decided to try crowdfunding. Um, so we, we had a little meeting and then we decided to make a video as well. I think it's already live, the um,
5: yeah.
9: promotion or whatever you call it. So uh, we have also done the video, which I assume Dave has linked to the so what website. The video? So
5: it's
1: the this is um, it Who wrote
9: it? Uh, Dave and Charlie, or maybe just Dave. So uh, they just explain what the project is about. Um, why they need money. Um, Where did you go and film? We filmed in a cemetery in North London, in Stoke, I think. Very
1: tragic. Yeah. yeah. How was the day?
9: Was it fun? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, a sunny day, which is good for filming, from my point of view. Um,
1: Recent addition to the team, Julia has been organizing that campaign. And so she's the perfect person to tell you all about it.
9: Yes, I uh,
10: set up the crowdfunding campaign which is going well, but could go better. Please, guys, fund us because, you know, going to the Edinburgh fest, Fringe Festival is quite of a challenge because all expenses quadruplicate, not even triplicate, but quadruple And um, there's so much going on, so much competition, so much, uh, I wouldn't say tragedy, but uh, yeah, of course, so much comedy going on. And, you know, we are you want different. To show I have been, yeah, in many different capacities, really. Uh, last year I just went as a spectator, really. I went there as a performer, as a dancer, as a production uh, person, as a stage manager. So everything. I've seen quite a lot of it. Uh, I feel like I've, I've got a big heart speaking yes. Scottish, joking. No, but really, um, it's amazing. We uh, really know. guys need your support because <laughs> Uh, it's amazing. I mean, um, we got so many perks and they're all hilarious and tragic as we all are. And um, as well, we, 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 we offer you the opportunity to come and stay with us. I mean, what other company does this we do. We really push on the community factor and it's so good being like in tragic company. It's so good. Yeah, lovely speaking with you. Thank you very much. And please, guys. We have an amazing fundraising campaign. Just have a look at Indiegogo, uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival 2014, Stand Up Tragedy. We're really looking for, We're really looking forward to seeing you all.
1: So just to repeat her plea, there are loads of cool perks that have been created to reward Eve for donating to the campaign and helping us survive at the Edinburgh Fringe. Some of those include exclusive podcasts, a collection of our fanzine, an after show party in Edinburgh courtesy of the team, tragically personalised party poppers by Jen Adamthwaite, and even a night's accommodation and tragic luxury staying with the team at the Edinburgh Festival. We've got links to that campaign on our Facebook page or you can go directly to it by searching for Stand Up Tragedy Edinburgh 2014 on Indiegogo. Everyone has been given generously so far, but we still got a long way to go to reach our targets and so we'd really appreciate any help you can give. After patiently listening to me talk for ages, I think I should give you some music from Greek Tragedy. This is cabaret singer and ukulele player Tricity Vogue performing her set. Afterwards, listen to the brilliant facts about Greek Tragedy and the origins of Carabaret that she revealed to me before the night began.
5: Cheers. Hello. Um, I um, I don't I don't normally do comedy, which means that doing a night called stand up tragedy for me is not weird because of the lack of comedy, but because I've got to do stand up. Um, but I'm not going to do stand up. I'm just going to whip my instrument out instead. So here's the backstory. Um, I've been doing this show called the Uke of Edinburgh Awards uh, at my ukulele cabaret in Edinburgh for four years. And the Duke of Edinburgh Awards basically is a is the most unbelievably prestigious award at the Edinburgh Fringe, um, and um, it's usually fairly random who wins and who doesn't because it's based on three random audience members that get to vote. Um, but um, on one occasion, um, uh, a a burlesque clown by the name of Audasty Hutzpa won, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, and the prize of winning the Duke of Edinburgh Award is that you get to play a golden ukulele that I wear on my head uh, in front of the audience. Um, but the uh, secondary prize is that um, one year I made a foolish error of, of giving the secondary prize of you got to choose a subject for me to write a song about and I had 24 hours to write the song and I had to perform it the following night show. I dropped that last year um, for obvious reasons. But... Um, This is the song that Audacity Chutzpah commissioned me to write when she won the Duke of Edinburgh Awards uh, because she has a secret double life. By night, she is a burlesque clown. By day, she is a goat farmer in uh, a little farm near Glastonbury and she's very fond of goats. So she asked me to write her a song about goats. And I went on Wikipedia and found out that that tragedy originally meant goat song. So I wrote the goat song, Tragedy. Uh, And this is it. I am a tragic goat. This is my tale of woe. I met my sorry end a thousand years ago i lived in ancient greece on an arcadian hill if i had been content then i would be there still but i had a tragic flaw that led me to my doom i longed to be admired i did not care by whom tying a go in nicely with helen of troy there you see what i did yeah continuity so when the high priest came to seek a poet's prize i ran in haste to be the first before his eyes I tossed my head with pride when that priest picked out me. I did not understand my herdmate's sympathy. I had my dream at last. To Athens I did go and on the theatre stage. Full And I was the reward for the poet who came first. The competition raged. The mighty words did flow. To win me was the yen. True pleasure did I know? At last the day was won. The winner was declared. His name was Sophocles my eyes upon him stand Actually, the only only the second time in the world that I've ever performed that song, Uh, unless you count singing it into SoundCloud, which possibly means I've done it three times. Um, um, I I think that was. Have I got time to do another song? I have got time to do another song. Um, I might actually do one that I know. In that case, um, and and this is um, I kind of I kind of really enjoyed the the Helen of Troy from Helen of Troy's point of view story. Um that's something I like to do quite a lot um, exploring femme fatales from a femme fatale point of view and turning the tables a little bit Um, this is a song that I originally wrote as a gift for a drag queen, uh, a Belgian drag queen, in fact the star of Belgium's Got Talent who made it to the semi-finals until he was knocked out by a 15 year old with a mono brow Uh, at least it wasn't a dog that's what I said to him. Uh, but um, so Peggy Lee Cooper, um, who uh, is a very wonderful Belgian drag queen friend of mine, um, basically invited me over for his birthday in uh, in Liège in, in in Belgium. And so I, I wrote him a song as a present. Uh, her a song as a present, um, which she then translated into French and made it sound very pretty sexy and tragic, and added uh, cello. Uh, which really made it, but I haven't got the cello, so you'll just have to imagine that bit, Um, and also I'm going to sing it you in English, which will be slightly less exotic Um, the other thing of course that I realised after writing this song for for someone else was that there were elements of it which were a little closer to the bone than perhaps I cared to admit Um, this one goes out to anyone who's ever felt like they got the, uh, the sticky end of the stick after a romantic encounter. It does have a sing-along chorus uh, because of course sing-alongs and general audience participation are the hallmarks of cabaret. Uh, not everyone likes to do this. Some people object to the use of foul language. However, If you do feel sufficiently moved to join in, I would ask you to please use a northern accent, simply because some words just sound more true that way. And this is one of them. Are you ready? Those bastards come, see what I mean? Those bastards go Too. I'm happy with that. I hide the light. They say they'll stay, but always go instead those bastards. Who's with me? Here it comes. Oh those (laughs) bastards. On kissing frogs and now and then a toad they hit the peak of passion but then they hit the road they shoot their
1: Club. Oh, don't put that away. I was going to ask you what you were reading.
5: <laughs> I'm learning my lines for oh, Dial M for Death,
1: oh, okay. which is oh, well. uh, yeah, one of my next projects. Our audience will not have a clue who, who I'm speaking to. Yeah. What we're doing, you're, so would you like to introduce yourself? Yes,
5: then? I'm Tricity Vogue, and I'm a cabaret singer and a ukulele player. So yeah, yeah. when
1: Dave got in touch with you then, um, did he just give you a list of...
5: I know Dave because he came to perform at my ukulele cabaret in Edinburgh. What I do when I do the uh, ukulele cabaret is I did a U.K. of Edinburgh awards <laughs> uh, scheme during the show, and the winner of the U.K. of Edinburgh award... Uh, Part of their prize was they got to choose a topic for me to write a song about and I had 24 hours to do it and I had to perform it the next show. Uh, and one of my friends won, uh, she's a, uh, a burlesque clown uh, called uh, Audacity Hutzpa, and uh, she also lives on a farm in Somerset and keeps goats. So she asked me to write a song about a goat and I wrote a, uh, a, a, a tragic song about a Greek goat well, because uh, tragedy means, the word tragedy means goat song. And the reason, no, it, yes, it does. I, 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 well, I, I did kind of a bit of field research when I was writing, writing songs about goats, because I was kind of interested in the idea of a sacrificial goat, and I thought I'd explore that. And so what I kind of read around, uh, and who knows how verifiable any of this is, it was all a long time ago, you know, so it's quite difficult to check. Um, But they would, the reason that tragic uh, tragic poems were called goat songs was because poets would compete in competitions um, and the prize was a goat, uh, which arguably or potentially was also sacrificed or... They might choose to sacrifice it or take it home and, and put it you know, on the front lawn or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, wow. so th- apparently tragedy means goats on.
1: Good Greek knowledge. Yeah. So if anybody has been to see a cabaret show before or a cabaret act, such as yourself, mm. what sort of thing?
6: is it?
5: Yeah. it? Cabaret is all about the fact that the audience is there in the room with you. It's kind of the opposite of watching television in the sense that. <laughs> I mean, it's a very broad, you know, it's a very broad genre. I mean, it's, it's historical in the sense that it comes from, you know, end of 19th century Paris, for example, that kind of whole Moulin Rouge kind of era. And then in, in between the First and Second World War in Weimar, Germany, which was made most famous in the film Cabaret. Um, it's, it traditionally includes kind of commentary, pastiche, and what you, the original meaning of burlesque, which was, of course, to parody and send up um, um, things from the mainstream culture. Uh, it's come now to mean striptease, but it didn't always mean that. Um, so yeah, um, and 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 I think what's happened with the, with the kind of the the, the, the scene, the cabaret scene, which I've been part of for the last ten years, is that that it, it kind of enjoys, it kind of enjoys embracing the vintage, enjoys embracing, you know, kind of old school ways of doing things oh thank you thank you um but yeah and it involves being like it's kind of i used to work in tv i worked in tv for 10 years i became very disillusioned and for me working in cabaret of all the live art forms it was like coming it was like finding my my tribe and finding my home because it's about celebrating the fact that we're in a small room and there's not many people here i i sing and i play the ukulele i i Write my original songs, which are very often pastiches of different vintage styles of music, um, particularly the era that sort of most fits with the ukulele. So the twenties, thirties, forties. Quite a traditional instrument. For yeah, the cabaret, yeah, then? Okay. yeah, very much so. Um, well, the ukulele made it um, was first invented in Hawaii. Where it was it was kind of inspired by a Portuguese instrument. Um, uh, which uh, which was given as a gift to the king of Hawaii, and he asked if they could make him something like that. But you know, especially Hawaiian. I know. So yeah, and it be, and then when, when Hawaii became a state in America, the Americans got very excited about all things Hawaiian. This was in the twenties, this era of you know early films. Uh, and was the
1: Elvis film and stuff. Like that? Well, that yeah,
5: exactly. Um, um, so yeah but back in the 1920s this is we had all the kind of yeah. it girls Clara Bow and stuff they all played ukuleles and it was all about saucy songs yeah, it was all, was all about double entendre yeah and people also at, th- at that era not yeah. everyone had radios or whatever people you know there's that whole thing about Victoria's always had a piano in the room um, and ukuleles were even more affordable and accessible than a piano so I've been playing for about seven years now yeah. So
1: you started doing cabaret before you picked up? Yes,
5: I did. I had a massive seven-piece band doing kind of lounge jazz and kind of high-octane glamour. Uh, and it started off as a joke because um, my uh, pianist, Rosa, couldn't do one of the gigs that I was booked in to do. Um, and my singing partner used to teach children ukulele, and she had a boot full of, of ukulele. She used to teach a school You Can Do It. And... Um, Uh, So we we got a couple of ukes out and, well, it's very much the instrument for puns, yeah. Um, We got a couple of ukes out and we turned up to this this gig on the Battersea Barge in our evening gowns and splendour and said the band stood us up and whipped out these ukuleles and did the number on ukuleles instead. Um, And the audience response was was very different the way they responded to this kind of very cool kind of lounge jazz. And I found it very much more exciting to perform my original songs just a ukulele because it seemed like the music didn't get in between me and the audience in quite the same way. Um, But I'm going up to Edinburgh Festival again uh, and this year I'm doing a one-off spectacular Uke of Edinburgh Awards show which is going to be like a cross between Strictly Come Dancing and Lucha Mexican Wrestling but with ukuleles.
1: Tricity's Duke of Edinburgh Awards will be held at the New Empire Bingo on the 16th of August as part of the Laughing Horse Free Fringe and will surely be one of the highlights of the festival so make sure you include it in your Edinburgh itinerary, as well as us of course. Towards the end of the evening, a comedian that I coincidentally also met last year at the Edinburgh Festival turned up for his performance at the end of our Greek show. I'd like to introduce Jos Norris and I asked him if he had much Greek tragedy in his repertoire.
8: I, my comedic repertoire? Not really. Like what I'm doing tonight is a is a is a new thing. So I've written something. Well, written is a is a stretch because there's not many words in it. But what I'm doing tonight is new sort of stuff. So I, it's not something I've talked about before. But it is something I I really enjoy. Like I did classics at school, and I've been really kind of fascinated by Greek myth and that kind of thing since I was a kid, so it's something I really love, yeah. So it's weird that it hasn't cropped up in, in stuff I've done before and that this is the first time I've actually written about it, but it's nice sometimes to have an excuse to go, oh, will write about something that I like. That'll be cool. Who
1: is your favourite Greek
8: tragedy? Um, ooh, that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, I like... So, I'm I'm now taking too long over this question just because I'm genuinely considering it. I thought I don't want to be lazy. Uh, Theseus is good. I like Theseus. Theseus is the one, I think he's the Minotaur. So, he gets sent into a maze and he kills a Minotaur in the middle of it. Uh, I like that one because I think it it reminds me of the Muppets. I don't know why, but there's an idea of. uh, I feel like the Minotaur is quite misunderstood. And and probably fairly sweet. I don't know. Actually, no, I think I'm thinking specifically about an adaptation I saw that made you side with the Minotaur. So I think somewhere in my childhood I was moved by the story of the Minotaur. I don't know why it makes me think of the Muppets. I think the idea of feeling empathy for something that looks ridiculous. Some of them are fairly bland. This is the thing. This is The problem with Greek tragedy is that the stories are great, but most of the protagonists are just dull. Just fairly dull. Or... So,
1: Jos's performance was bizarre to say the least and had the room in absolute hysterics, but again another very very visual one that I'm going to tease you with and tell you to go and have a look at the pictures or the video online. After he came off stage I asked Jos if his shows ever go according to plan. I think
8: I quite enjoy the idea of being, uh, of sort of discovering things on stage for the first time yourself. Not necessarily literally, not necessarily as in like You only ever do new stuff because I'm sort of working on a show that obviously I've done a few times. But I do like the idea of uh, kind of just being open to things happening in a new way each time. So then you discover sort of new things. And I think even if nothing new happens, it's fun just watching somebody who's got that energy of like, ah, let's just play and see what happens.
3: She told me that her dad was loaded. I said, hey, that's good. she said, fine. And in 30 seconds' time, she said, I wanna live like common people. I wanna do whatever common people do. I wanna sleep with common people. I wanna sleep with common people.
1: We round off every stand-up tragedy night with a bit of tragic karaoke and Dave's choice that night was Common People by Pulp. Greek Tragedy was one of our last themed shows of 2014 before the Edinburgh Festival begins. There's one more at the Black Blackheart in Camden on the 9th of July with the theme of tragic misadventures. It's a collaboration with romantic misadventures and will bring you all the usual visual and audio accompaniments after the night for you to enjoy. Remember, you can still give to the Indiegogo campaign, especially if you're thinking of coming to see us at the Edinburgh Festival. If not, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where we're at Stand Up For Tragedy is in the number four, and keep updated with what we're doing later this year. We'll definitely be bringing you another tragic Christmas. So that's the end of the tragedy from me for a while. I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast specials this year as much as I've enjoyed making them. Because for now, the tragedy is over.